Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. It's the Thanksgiving edition, episode 46. Hi, I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this week, to kind of get you into the spirit of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is the theme for this particular episode. And I'm going to be talking about, number one, why I love the holiday, but I hate to write Thanksgiving episodes for sitcoms. You'll find out why. And this is a horrible travel weekend, and I have some travel tips for you to help get you there and back. Also, I'm going to talk about the Macy's Parade and then the Santa Claus Lane Parade of my youth. Also, what I am thankful for. So all of that and much more as we begin episode 46 of Hollywood and Levine. Thanks for being here. Let's get it going now. Hollywood and Levine. TV writers always look forward to the Thanksgiving holiday because it really marks their first break of the season. Usually they begin production around the beginning of August, and it's really the first relief. But as much as we look forward to the Thanksgiving weekend, we hate writing about it, especially comedy writers. I mean, every sitcom I have ever worked on we have had the obligatory Thanksgiving episode. Now, how many variations can you have on the big family dinner going awry? I think I have written the turkey gets burned, relatives clash, nutty friends are invited, they can't find a restaurant, kids break something, a variation of guess who's coming to dinner, Variation of Meet the Parents, The Football Gambler Who Loses Big, The Tofu Turkey Substitute, Someone Accidentally Getting Dragged Several Blocks by the Mr. Potato Head Balloon, Mom's a Terrible Cook, Relatives Accidentally Not Invited, Someone Is Allergic to Something in the Stuffing and Has a Very Funny Seizure, There's a power outage, thawing the frozen turkey last minute, the food fight, and the pilgrim reenactment. I have written those episodes like 15 times, 
And one final note about uh, food fights. Uh, You might remember that a rather famous episode of Cheers is the Thanksgiving episode that does result in a food fight. Also in a reenactment of the pilgrims. They were all dressed like pilgrims. But still, there was a big food fight. It was a very funny episode. And man, did we take shit for it. Because that was the year when world hunger was a very big issue. And there were all these protests about how we wasted food. Uh, Again, I can't begin to tell you the shitstorm that was caused by that episode. But it was actually very funny. It's also murder if you are a director and you have to direct the Thanksgiving episode. This has happened to me a couple of times. Because, number one, there's always a big cast because they're inviting a lot of people to dinner, so all the relatives, et cetera, et cetera. And so you have like 17 guest cast members and you have a big dinner. So there's a ton of food and a ton of props and all of the table decorations and everything. It's just a nightmare for the prop department. And then you have nine people sitting around a table and it really becomes a math puzzle, especially if it is a multi-camera show and you're shooting it in front of a live audience because you have nine people and they're all talking across to each other, upstage, downstage to each other, and you have four cameras. So do the math. Nine people, four cameras, You got to get everybody. You got to get everybody's reactions. You got to get two shots and three shots. You got to get some masters. You got to get some close-ups. You also have to have some shots that include the food. And maybe there's a a gag or two about, uh, I don't know, the cranberry sauce flying all over the place. It is just a nightmare. So again, We're real happy that Thanksgiving comes around until we have to write for it. Hollywood and Levine continues after this. This year for Thanksgiving, I am going to New York. My daughter Annie and her husband John now live in Long Island as they're co-producing Kevin Can Wait, CBS show, which is done in, well, it's kind of like Hollywood East. It's Bethpage, Long Island. And my wife has a lot of relatives back there, and they all want to see the parade. So I'm going to New York. And as you know, travel around Thanksgiving is just horrendous. It's the worst time of year. So I have, as a public service for this podcast, assembled a list of Thanksgiving travel tips. You might want to jot these down. Number one, leave for the airport now, especially if your flight is on Wednesday. Whenever you're listening to this, just leave for the airport now. Bring no luggage. Wearing the same clothes for a week is a small price to pay. Now, Southwest Airlines has no reserved seating. You know, they have A, B, and C. Well, you want to get in one of the later groups because you don't want to be one of the first people on the plane. You sit down there and you watch as 50 people glance at the empty seat next to you, then to you, decide, "Mm, I'm going to sit somewhere else. Who needs that kind of abuse? 
If you have children under the age of five, tell your relatives that one has an earache and make everybody come to you. Those people in the standby line, well, these are the same people who think that they can get rich selling Amway products and that the tooth fairy really does exist. Don't fly standby unless you like sleeping in airport terminals for five days. If you rent from Hertz, plan on a two-hour wait just to get your car, unless, of course, you're one of their preferred customers, in which case only allow one hour. When rental car companies recommend that you use premium gasoline, don't. Put in regular. It's cheaper. Car's going to run just fine. And it's not your car. What do you care? Before you pull off the road to a Chuck E. Cheese for lunch, remember their namesake is a rat. One word of advice if you're driving long distance, podcasts. Hey, you can go back through the archives of Hollywood and Levine. I mean, some of these past episodes were actually pretty good. So, you know, check them out. And you're driving through Texas for seven days. Air travelers, avoid O'Hare. Better to land in Dallas, even if your destination is Chicago. If you are dropping someone off at the airport, don't even think that you'll be able to stop. Have your travelers practice the tuck and roll from a moving car. Now, the first couple of times, sure, they're going to bounce, but by the fourth or fifth try, they should pretty much have it down. Watch the DVD of Hostel on your laptop. The bigger the screen, the better. Obviously, there's more legroom in the exit rows. And when the flight attendants ask if you're willing to help out in case of an emergency, just say yes, like it's going to make a big difference anyway if you crash. When you're stuck in St. Louis and all flights are grounded, and trust me, they will and you will, grab lunch at Mike Shannon's. If you are flying on an airline that doesn't have reserved seating, never sit next to anyone who is already eating or reading a book by Ann Coulter. Before you fly to New York and you have to negotiate JFK, just remember this. The parade is on TV. And it's the same goddamn balloons as last year. The only difference is that the stars of NBC's big new hit from last year, Emerald City, won't be there this year. But otherwise... You can just watch the parade on TV. Of course, tell that to my wife. Never pay to see an in-flight movie starring Deborah Messing. More tips. Put a big strip of duct tape on your luggage so you'll recognize it easily, and it makes a nice fashion statement. If you are flying with small children, (laughs) see if there is such a thing as Flintstones Valium. In-flight alcoholic beverages are expensive. Better to just drink heavily at the airport before boarding. And finally, watch the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles again and think of it as a best-case scenario. See at the airport. Back with more Hollywood and Levine after this. You can't talk about Thanksgiving without talking about the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Now, I have been to New York several times during the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm going to be in New York again this year. And just my luck, 
Every year it's always been cold. I mean, you know, maybe if they held it indoors one year, you know, perhaps down in the subway, it might be kind of tough wedging SpongeBob through the tunnel, but still at least it would be comfortable. Brutal weather conditions aside, the parade is spectacular and organizers do an amazing job. I got to hand it to them. I mean, it is a great spectacle and worth seeing if you're not a princess like me. But hey, I don't go to football games in the winter either. Of course, in L.A., the weather's nice and no one still goes to Charger games. Meanwhile, uh, here's how bad it is for me. Seriously, this happened to me once. I was in Manhattan in January, and it was so cold that I hailed a cab to go across the street. Okay, he just, like, circled around and dropped me off. Okay, it's a true story. Okay, I'm, you know, not proud to admit it. Uh, I did attend the Macy's Day Parade once, and that was because James L. Brooks had a condo along the parade route and had a bunch of people over for a viewing party. So I watched from the window while sipping my hot chocolate and Jim and a few others were calling down at the passing celebrities. And of course it helped that he actually knew these people. Well, more fun than going to the parade is actually watching them blow up the balloons the night before. Have you ever done that? I do recommend that. They do it near the National History Museum, wear a sweater. Well, to me, the Macy's Day Parade is a TV event. Probably the same to you, right? You've never been there, maybe. Well, even when I'm in Manhattan, it is still a TV event. And to me, of course, it signals the official beginning of the holiday season. And it gives us a chance to see all of the stars of the mid-season NBC shows that will be canceled by their St. Patrick's Day Parade. The Today Show, of course, always anchors, and you have the host, Matt Lauer, who is always pretending that he's really into it, that he's really enjoying himself. But you know, he's got that same look as he does when they force him to host the red carpet show on the Golden Globes. You know, it's just that pained look. And it must be the one day of the year that Ann Curry is sitting by a cozy fire saying, ha ha, bitches. The advantage of viewing the parade on TV is that you get to see those Broadway musical numbers. And, of course, my heart always goes out to those poor frozen kids wearing those skimpy show outfits, dancing and singing in 20-degree temperatures, you know, sometimes being rained on or snowed upon. You know, equity is such a strong union. Why isn't there a rule that Broadway dancers are not allowed to perform if they can see their own breath? I mean, how many Rockettes have blown out hamstrings at the Macy's Day Parade? And then the parade starts, and I'm always wondering why certain celebrities get stuck on certain floats. It's like, hey, there's Allison Janney on the foot care float. Singers stop, and they lip-sync the first few choruses of their songs. And I don't know who any of these people are, by the way. Um, Before they're cut off by six Black Friday commercials... And the balloons, obviously, are the big attention. And and again, Matt, like, always seems like he's seeing the Snoopy balloon for the very first time, even though he's seen it now 30 times. And I don't know about you, but I cannot enjoy a parade unless I'm also provided commentary. Instead of listening to a marching band, 
I want to know how many pancake breakfasts they held in order to finance this trip. I need to know how much helium is in Bullwinkle. And hey, why is Allison Janney on that float shaped like a giant foot? And of course, afterwards, there's always the big decision for me, football or the dog show. Anyway, good luck if you go to the parade, say hi to my wife and kids, and finally get a selfie with Kermit and wear a sweater. Back with more after this. Hollywood and Levine. So this year for Thanksgiving, I'll be in New York, and so I can go to the Macy's parade, but I won't. The rest of my family will, but... I'm just going to sit up in the hotel room where it's nice and warm and, and like see if a football game is on. But when I was a kid growing up in L.A., the Thanksgiving weekend always began Wednesday night before with the annual Santa Claus Lane Parade down Hollywood Boulevard. I look forward to it every year. And unlike parades with elaborate floats and impressive marching bands, this had Hollywood B actors, second bananas, local fringe celebrities riding cars with their names hand-painted on the side, and a few hundred-year-old guys from an American Legion post playing trombones. The big finale was always the arrival of Santa Claus, usually on a float, that kind of looked like a Cub Scout project gone horribly wrong. This parade began in 1928 as a way to lure shoppers to Hollywood. And in the 30s and the 40s, a lot of big stars would participate. It was really the only time that Joan Crawford would get within 100 yards of real people. In 1946, the parade inspired Gene Autry to write that song, Here Comes Santa Claus, Right Down Santa Claus Lane. Yeah, well, that was from the parade. Well, by the 50s, when I was alive, the luster had worn off, and instead of Natalie Wood, you'd see the kid who played Whitey on Leave it to Beaver. At one time, Bing Crosby was the Grand Marshal, but by the late 50s, it was Oscar Levant, who by then had a local TV talk show on KCOP Channel 13, and I was never quite sure if he was waving to the crowd or just having another seizure. The parade was always televised locally on KTTV Channel 11 in black and white, of course, back in the 50s. And it was hosted by Bill Welch. And he would interview all of the stars as they passed by. And that was my favorite part. Because, like I said, these were like C-list stars. How do you ask Gypsy Boots what his next project was with a straight face? Gypsy Boots was this local health nut who dressed ridiculously and did anything he could to draw attention to himself. So his next project? Appear in next year's parade. Bill once asked Monty Montana, who had appeared in a bunch of B-Westerns, what his next project was. And his answer? Giving a lasso demonstration at a local elementary school. Anyway, I was nine years old, and I found this hysterical. You know, I would watch the Macy's Day Parade on TV, you know, and there would always be the original Broadway cast of West Side Story, elaborate floats, 200-member marching bands from Ohio State, and, of course, those magnificent giant balloons. Uh, But tonight, I was seeing Bill Welch ask Iron Eyes Cody about his new book. I never actually went 
to the Santa Claus Lane Parade. My parents were not about to wade through a million people so I could see local newscaster George Putnam on a horse, but I didn't care because it was a TV event anyway. The parade has been renamed the Hollywood Lane Parade, and it is now on Sunday night. At least I think it's still on. It's still being televised. I don't know by who. Uh, At one time, it was always uh, Bob Eubanks and Lee Merriweather hosting. I don't know who's hosting these days. I know it's in color, obviously. It's syndicated. It's not very good. But every so often, there is a flash of the parade's past cheesy greatness. In 2000, there were co-grand marshals. Number one was the kid from Malcolm in the Middle, and the other was Dennis Hopper. I love holiday traditions. Back with more Hollywood and Levine right after this. This is a feature I always do on my blog. It's called What I'm Thankful For. And what I do is list all of the many things that I'm thankful for that particular year. So I'm going to do it on the podcast here. See how many of these you agree with. And you're always welcome to add your own. So besides my family, of course, what I am thankful for, Robert Mueller, Claire Danes, Vin Scully, even though he's no longer calling the Dodger games. John Stewart, even though he's no longer the host of The Daily Show. RichBroRadio.com. Great internet radio station if you like oldies. New Yorker cartoons. Opening day. The iPhone. I don't know about the new iPhone yet. GreatBigRadio.com. That's a great rock and roll internet station. Rachel Maddow, a one cent residual for MASH. Paul Rudnick, Hulu.com, Hulu Dancers, Hawaiian Sunsets, Papayas, Bob's Big Boy, Apps, Jenny Johnson, Kindle, Mustangs. I've loved Mustangs since like 1965. Crawfish, Carl Reiner, God bless him, is like 111. Rachel McAdams, Tina Fey, Doc Emmerich, greatest hockey announcer ever. Almond croissants, Apple computers, eating lobster at the lobster. Dave Chappelle, that yellow line in football, Samantha B. Spam filters, improv class, HD, DVD screeners, love those, mix CDs, GPS, UTA, EST playwrights unit, PDF files, MLB.com, MILB.com, Marty Brenneman, he's the announcer for the Cincinnati Reds, thongs, Fireworks, fake news, that's the real news, Obama, Obamacare, by the way, sign up for it this month, Stephen Moffat, Stephen Sondheim, Stephen Colbert, Steve Martin, The Joker, Neil Simon, Kevin Can Wait, 
Jason Benetti, announcer for ESPN and also the Chicago White Sox, a rising star. Antonio Carlos Jobim. God, it's been 50 years and I still just love his music. And it never sounds dated. Louis Black. The Beatles. They don't sound dated either. The few remaining independent bookstores. The Onion. Latkes. Peter Luger's Steak Sauce. The Manhattan Transfer. Dinah Washington. Denzel Washington. Disneyland. Adam and Susie Meister Butler, Patton Oswalt, Laurie's Prime Rib. Yeah, I know, there's a lot of food on this list. The Bilko Box Set, Pixar, Sean Grandy, radio announcer of the Celtics, best basketball radio announcer in the biz. Linda Etter, great singer, Barbara Streisand on a budget. On Demand, The Good Fight, which is the Good Wife spinoff on CBS All Access. It's really good. Orange Tic Tacs, 60s music, the GG Salad at the Palm, more food, the Book of Mormon, the Los Angeles Dodgers, even though they lost the World Series, Adele, Howard Hoffman, John Oliver, Gates Brothers Barbecue. If you are ever in Kansas City, you've got to hit up Gates Brothers Barbecue. Aaron Sorkin, those ice blendeds at Coffee Bean, Tallulah Moorhead, Netflix, Ted Danson. Love those vodka commercials that he does. Shelley Long, John Miller, He's the announcer for the Giants. Pat Hughes, he's the announcer for the Cubs. The Crab Cooker, another restaurant. This is in Newport Beach. You got to go. This is the restaurant that Richard Nixon, when he was president and he was staying at the Western White House in nearby San Clemente, had heard good things about the Crab Cooker. And so he wanted to go there. So somebody from the administration, calls the crab cooker and says, President Nixon would like to honor your place and have dinner this Saturday night at your establishment. And the owner of the crab cooker said, okay, great. He should really get here like around 5.30 before the lines start. And they said, wait, no, 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 we... We want to close the restaurant. And the owner said, um, we don't take reservations. He goes, yeah, th- this is the president of the United States. We want to close the entire restaurant for him to come and have dinner. And the owner said, nope, don't do that. And so Nixon didn't dine at the crab cooker, but they got a lot more <laughs> business as a result of it. Okay, continuing my list now of things I am thankful for. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Benny Hanna's. Wi-Fi. Jake Tapper. Joni Summers. Howie Rose and Josh Lewin of the Mets. That BCC feature. Jam Productions. 
They're the ones that do my cool jingles. Channel 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 71, and 89 on Sirius XM. Milk Duds, Earl Pomerantz, Red Carpet Shows, Eric Nadell, voice of the Texas Rangers and in the Hall of Fame, Confederacy of Dunces, my favorite book, Blu-ray, Amoeba Records, one of the few record stores that are still around, Martini Shots with Rob Long on KCRW Radio and, of course, on the Internet, Nicole Atkins, great singer, Mel's Drive-In, Ken Tremendous, Moonlight Serenade by Sinatra, BaseballReference.com, fellow bloggers, our troops, and finally, you. Thanks so much for listening. And that will do it for episode 46. At this point, I usually thank a bunch of people, but God, God, I've been thanking people the whole episode, so I'm going to let that slide. If you want to get in touch with me for any reason, please do. You can always email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Again, that's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. Are you following me on Twitter yet? At Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. And I will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a happy and safe holiday season. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.